Welcome, welcome to Mic'd Up on OM Radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and I'm here on another fabulous Friday. I don't even know what date it is. It's a blur. I believe it's the 28th. Is it the 28th, everyone in the studio? Okay. So, yeah, uh, welcome to Mic'd Up. You listen to OM Radio, your nonprofit community radio station. I don't read the script, and I never know it, and so I'm just going to go through it and wing it. We're recording live from the OM Radio studio here at 1503 King Street. And so, like, we're right inside of the place with all this delicious food. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, think mm-hmm. about coming down and eating. <laughs> I'm here with my friend Fernando Soto. Hey, hey. Hey. And um, before we jump into my interview with Fernando, I am going to just go off on a little mini rant. Um, and it's not going to take up too much of Fernando's time because I really want to talk to my new friend. Um, but basically, um, over the span of maybe like, let's say over, a, let's say a month and a half, I've experienced some things in Charleston. As y'all all know, if you're listening to Mike Dub, you know this is activist radio. This is unapologetic. Um, specifically, I'm focusing on issues that impact black and marginalized communities here. Uh, in Charleston County, or the city of Charleston, rather. Um, So basically, um, one thing I always speak up about is uh, the policing of black bodies. Now, to a lot of people listening, you might think that that means something to do with law enforcement. It does not explicitly mean law enforcement. It means the controlling or the uh, the constant monitoring and also, like, levying punitive uh, punishments for just being black, existing while black, right? So basically, um, what happened to me today was I was in Trader Joe's. I often shop at Trader Joe's. Um, I am a former uh, VP in training with Trader Joe's in the Philly metro area. Uh, so I'm well acquainted with the culture and the stores. It's one of my favorite stores. Um, but unfortunately, um, a cashier had something to say about a shirt that I'm wearing. Um, I, I'm wearing a shirt right now that I've gotten. I got from um, Dope uh, Emily. Uh, Emily here from Planned Parenthood here in Charleston. Shout out Emily. Um, it says uh, Stand With Black Women, and it's designed by a woman, I believe, out of D.C. Uh, Stand With Black Women is just something to where you affirm black women in reproductive justice, uh, in, in the vein of reproductive justice. And so I'm wearing this shirt in Trader Joe's. I've worn it, like, countless times. I, I'm almost ashamed that how many times I've worn this shirt. Um, but I'm just such a fan of it. And so I'm in Trader Joe's, and the cashier says, you know what? No, I stand with all women. You shouldn't wear that shirt. That's not right. You should stand with all women. And I thought he was joking. I said, are you serious? He was like, yeah. And he wouldn't let it go. I left my purchases there. I did not purchase anything. And I went and I, and I complained immediately to his supervisors. Um, and what I told him, what I told him is, is what I kind of had to mention to a, a number of other people who, where I've had this issue. Um, you know, when it comes to what we wear, what we do, our music, our ethnicity, our food, our culture, the way we laugh, black women especially, our hair in the workplace, we're policed more than anybody else. So we see this also in the school systems with black girls. Black girls are suspended at twice the rate of their white male counterparts, and it's usually due to some kind of cultural misunderstanding or just li- literally just um, uh, inherent bias toward um, us and our ethnicity. And I, I say all that to say that as a black woman who ha- has gone to work one day with an afro, the next day with a, uh, a really uh, a slick back uh, chignon um, and being told that I would look more professional with my hair pulled back, as a black woman who endured that in her 30s, still dealing with that, going to a Trader Joe's, trying to just buy her kombucha, y'all, and, and then having to, to go, th- you know, withstand all these microaggressions, um, it's some- enough is enough. And it makes me think back to a few weeks ago with my friend. Um, We were in the Bennett Hotel for a political event. We were there to meet a presidential candidate. And yet the staff at this uh, at the Bennett Hotel um, came to him not once, not twice and told him to remove his hat. Said, hey, we have a hat policy here where you men can't wear the hats. Now, mind you, the whole time I'm watching men 
coming back from golfing. Uh, uh, you know, uh, look like they were coming back from golfing. I don't know if they were. But I've seen many, many white men walk back and forth throughout this lobby, and no one approached them. Um, not only was the approach off, because you could have kindly said, hey, sir, may, may I take your hat for you? You know, you could have used some customer service with it. But the way that they came at my friend, and 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 just just so boldly and so so like almost violently came and demanded he take his hat off while not policing the white bodies that we are watching walk by us um, was 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 humiliating for me as a bystander and I was not a bystander long because I jumped right in there um, but it was also humiliating to see a, a black man be emasculated that way and I asked them I said well where's this policy written and if it's written someplace please show me how you're enforcing it because I'm watching several men walk by and no one's approaching them about their hat and they are they have Happen to be Caucasian or appear to be Caucasian. Uh, so that was the Bennett Hotel. Um, and then there was another incident where I won't get into, but basically I find myself having to defend myself against what I wear and how I express myself. Cultural expression here, affirming my identity, affirming my identity as a black woman, and my friends and family affirming their identities as black people um, is it, something that we have to get used to. And so I'm just calling for Charleston to chill, ease up on that, um, policing black bodies, our hair, our culture, our ethnicity, and low-key, that noise ordinance is, is mad racist, too, because you might get the guy with the rap music, but I see these double exhaust uh, doom buggy mud mudding trucks run through here, and they're louder than anything I've ever heard, or these Harley Davidsons. But I don't ever see a cop pulling over for noise ordinances, but they come and they, and they police people uh, you know, who's, who's playing the hip-hop music, too. So there's a lot of laws in place that harken back to the black codes uh, of Jim Crow. They still exist. They just kind of take on different forms, and they come in the form of uh, police and black bodies. So that's my little rant on that. So, yeah, ease up before you come and see me. And if I have an F, F your Calhoun statue shirt on, better leave me alone. <laughs> better leave me alone. All right. I, okay, I'm done. That was like six minutes. I hope that was cool. How you doing, Fernando? I'm doing great. <laughs> How was that? Did I scare you? No, not <laughs> at all. I, I totally relate to it, like everything that you just said. Thank you. Um, yeah. Because it really it really does speak to our culture, you know, yeah. here in the city. Yeah. Where people think that it's just such a friendly, lovely city that gets this Talk like number one it. award mm-hmm. of uh, friendliness <laughs> and most beautiful in the in America, but mm-hmm. people don't talk about. Um, you know, minority groups here. No. Those same things that you're just talking about, having to experience at the Bennett Hotel, those are things that I have faced and I have faced with my community. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it definitely resonates. Yeah, thank you for affirming that, too, because it, it makes you feel lonely when you're like, I'm the only chocolate chip in the <laughs> in right, the store. Right. And so to come here and, and have you kind of co-sign what, what I'm feeling, it, it matters. So thank mm. you. But I did bring you in because, hey, I just met you, but I, I your name was ringing bells for a little bit. I <laughs> We kind of like operated in circles that were kind of adjacent, but not the same. Right, right. Now I'm also your big sis. So I'm a little older, so I'm not trafficking all the same circles. <laughs> but I know I've seen you a lot. So just introduce yourself to people who may be listening to Mic'd Up and, and maybe in, just new to you, Fernando. Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> I am a Latinx journalist mm-hmm. uh, here in the Charleston area. Um, I have a full-time job. Journalism is what I went to school for, oh, cool. and that's kind of what I've been doing on the side, just out of passion. Mm. Um, I work for a drywall and painting company mm-hmm. here in Charleston. Oh, you handy. <laughs> um, and I worked for a Spanish um, newspaper for some time, for about a year, okay. once I moved back from college. Um, but I, we, I'm originally from Mexico. Oh, okay. Uh, my family migrated here in 2002. 
ironically enough, July Fourth. Oh. Wow. Uh, okay. Independence Day. <laughs> right. It's a it's a it's an important day for me uh, mm. that now I've become to appreciate for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad to be back in the community now that I work for this company. Mm. I work with a lot of Hispanics, mm. and it's really the first time that I get to work with 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 my culture and really oh, connect wow. with it. Yeah. Um, so I see a lot of these microaggressions, especially in the construction industry. Oh my gosh. Um, I can't go into specifics per se, obviously, because of my job. Right. But people feel very entitled, you know, (laughs) to see people of color Mm. and to see them uh, work in their homes, whether it be their yard or inside their home. People feel very entitled to treat them and, Mm. you know, handle them whatever way they want. And that that's not acceptable. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that, because like I don't I don't think people really um, pay attention to our growing uh, Latinx community here and um, uh, and especially uh, the laborers. And then they've been here forever. Right. Especially Mexican mi- and other migrant workers who come here mm-hmm. for um, to help um, the produce industry and agriculture in general. And, and like you said, um, working with home construction and things like that. I think p- these are the invisible workforce that keep this city literally going right and um you're right i've seen this my mother uh worked on um worked on like seabrook and kiowa islands Mm -hmm. and you know oftentimes remark and i remember my brother had a summer job way back when and would see just just people busting just to perform certain jobs but you never hear their stories and i'm so happy that you were able to kind of just shed light on that and we don't talk enough about it here but so so yeah so as a journalist you work for a local paper so now what do you do now so outside of your drywall, again. outside of my my eight to five yeah. job, um, I launched my own site called Recursos Estatales, Ooh. and it translates into state resources. Oh, cool! Um, because growing up here and then working more closely with the Hispanic community, I realized that um, a lot of times the news that they're getting locally are you know just translated press releases for mm. these fun events that are being put mm. on by mm. the city of Charleston, etc. But oh, you peeped that too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I peeped that with some of my my marginal Spanish. I'm like, it got you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And so I people want to be a part of um, the community. They want to know about the crime that's happening in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They want to know about healthcare. They want to know about uh, you know city council ordinances, things that are going up in mm-hmm. front of the city council, the mayors. Um, and so I really decided to start this to to be that resource, that connection between the broader community and linking that to the Hispanic community because. You know, we live here. We, yeah. We're part of Johns Island. We're part of, of the downtown Mount Pleasant, North Charleston, Monk's Corner, right. all of these areas. Um, and we're 5% of the community. Right. And growing. <laughs> and growing. Yeah. Growing very rapidly. Mm-hmm. One thing that I that I have recently, you know, been trying to put more, more thought into is really... Um, Really making those voices heard mm. of the immigrant community mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's a very invisible community at times. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not recognized. And I think, you know, New Charleston is mm. being built on the backs of immigrants. Mm. Uh, and time. nobody's talking about that. At all. I mean, yeah, just yesterday I was wor- uh, rolling by one of those new Meeting Street uh, apartment complexes and like I was turning to park because I'm always trying to not text and drive and I was like always look for like a side street Mm -hmm. and I'm like wow that building wasn't there and then I see the labor force there and doesn't look like the same people that are just frolicking and enjoying brunch and you know so again it's it's that community that we see every day um, but we don't Charleston really doesn't it's never in any of the marketing 
Like, I don't mm-hmm. see enough diversity in culture and ethnicity. Like, I don't see that anything um, reflective in the events. A lot of the events mm-hmm. are just really Eurocentric and right. this false, you know, Southern charm stuff type deal. But not to be ultra negative, but the good thing is, though, I have seen emer- voices like yours emerging. Um, I know I did a show some weeks back about the detention of um, of asylum seekers. Yes, and ha- in North Yeah, like, it was just, like, low-key mm-hmm. trying to, like, oh, yeah, we're going to stash 500 people a day. Right. And in the jail, like, no one's going to know about it. Nah, we, we found out. And um, so through that, I learned of other advocates locally here mm-hmm. who are working to, to expose stuff like that from happening. So I'm, I'm so happy to to see people emerge and, and use create their own platforms. That's what I had to do. Right. That's I mean, what this show is. If you're not gonna do it, who's gonna do it? Right. If it, not now, when? And and the and the the great thing about like now, like this time we're in right now, you literally can create really great platforms, really nice like branding. And I, and I, I will say can you say the name of your platform one more time? Recursos estatales. Yeah, I love it. So <laughs> stay resources. And uh, I'm gonna get it down too. I'm try. But um but no, I, I think it's dope because, and you have a good aesthetic too. I can tell you have good taste, and it's just. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's dope. So that's, that's my Charleston side. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk about how you and I kind of crossed paths. I know you, um, me and you met, I think, via, um, I guess, social media, you connected. Yes. So, yeah, you reached out, and tell me what you reached out. Tell everyone what you reached out about. So, I, I, as you guys just heard, I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to keep things, keep my personal opinion, uh, you know, very to myself. And, yeah. and the people close around me, obviously, they know where I stand on things. Yeah. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, this migrant issue has really kind of blown up. Absolutely. Um, and that is because of the children, the children that are being uh, incarcerated. And to me, that's not a that's not a political issue. That's not a partisan issue, I should say. It's a matter of, of good and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no way in hell that I'm just going to stand no. by and, and just watch it happen Mm-mm. in front of me because I can relate to it. We migrated here in 2002. Mm. That could have been me. That could have been any of my siblings. That could have been my family that mm. split up. Yeah. And people have heard the cries of these children, their suffering, their pain. And everybody's familiar with that. You know, but at the same time, people have become desensitized to Very it. Much the other so. the other day, I saw I saw something. It was I think it was a meme from like a Fox News mm. that said, uh, you know, these aren't our children. Mm. They're from another country. Wow. So it really does speak. See, if they othered them like they did with with with. Not that I'm not trying to compare apples to um, oranges, but like this is the this is how white supremacy works. Right. Um. They other. That's how they other blacks for so long. They're not really human. That's why they can't cohabitate with you. Right. That's what right. That's a, so they other they're othering <laughs> human lives right, and the dehumanization of yeah, it. Yeah, it's really incredible. it's it's incredible and it's so vicious. You know the image that everyone has seen and, and um Oscar and Valeria. I know I'm not pronouncing it in the traditional way no, it should be good. pronounced. Um, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but just seeing the the the, the son is the, the excuse me the father and the daughter, and I struggle with that image being released. I I'm glad that people were shocked into mm-hmm. yeah this is what's going on. This is how people risk their lives to, to flee mm-hmm. desperate situations. But at, at the same time, I'm like, well, how do how do these other people view this? Are they really seeing these as real lives? Because it devastated me yeah. that image. You know, it, it is devastating. Um, I cried for for a good bit when I saw that photo yeah. and, and, and read about their story. Um, because this is this happens way too often. You right. know, this just happened to be photographed. Um, and there was some some media outlet that published, uh, you know, that it was wrong for them to release the image. Yeah. And the Hispanic community actually responded to that 
in in a different manner. Mm. They said, no, this is important. They, they mm. need to see this. They need to yeah. see our struggle. They need to see right. that we're risking our lives, yeah. our children, we're dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really uh, disheartening right. to hear the um, uh, part of the administration say that it was the father uh, who was at fault. Um, wow. And that, to me... Just imagine that. <laughs> Seeing it's that image and then be, being led to, to say that statement. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. And people don't understand the magnitude of what is happening in Central America, mm. what is happening in Mexico. Mm. Uh, peop uh, people like me, we fled. We lived in Ciudad Juarez, which was the border from El Paso, Texas. Mm. Uh, we fled at the height of the drug on war. Oh, my or the goodness. War, the war on drugs. And that was because it, it just became extremely unsafe. Mm. And that war on drugs was started by the United States. The United States Talk destabilized yes. our entire region. Mm. And we didn't come here to necessarily find a job or steal anybody's jobs. We came here fearing for our lives. Mm. We came here to find a safe haven where we could grow up and, and, and be somewhat normal people. Mm. Uh, little mm. did we know then that we would, you know, face our own challenges here mm. that are... Right. The, the another set of challenges. Right. Escape one hell and into a different type of hell. Um, but but um, I am happy that you're here. I'm happy that your family made it um, and that we're not talking about you in the past tense. But I'm also glad that you're lending your voice to just what's going on. And I, I just you're such a really good orator. I, I <laughs> you know what? I left the corporate world and I just like gave up. And I'm just like when I listen to you, I'm like, you're such, you're, you're good. I could tell you can really you could t breathe life into these stories and really full, like represent. Represent your community and represent the uh, the people within your community mm -hmm. in a way that's fully formed. Girl, so let me tell you. <laughs> I worked for a corporate local media company yeah. for about a year okay. and realized very quickly that's not what I wanted to do. No. But in doing so, yep. I learned, yes. uh, and, and this is kind of just part of the growing up and, right. and, and things that I've learned as life lessons, that the way that I can change people's mind mm. is by getting them to know who I am as a person mm. before I reveal my identity to them, mm. before they know that I, you know, I, I let people build up a relationship with me so that they know me as a person. Yeah. And then when they come out and they say things against the LGBT community, mm. then I like kindly drop the, Okay, oh, so, so you're a member? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Or when people are like, oh, but, you know, Mexicans <laughs> are undocumented people. And I'm like, oh, I'm undocumented. <laughs> and oh. then people are like, oh, uh, 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 exactly. Really? So you, but do you feel like at risk, though, like when you let, when you divulge those details? Um, for the longest, I did. And now I just don't, I, I don't care that I am at risk. I know that I'm at risk. Because I didn't know you were undocumented. Uh, yep, I'm here, I'm documented, DACA, I guess okay. you could say that. So there's some major like legislation about to go down. The Supreme right. Court is... The Supreme Court's taking up the case. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, ooh, I don't pray, but, mm -hmm. sorry, Mom. But <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing out some really good vibes, like and some energy, and just really hoping that, you know, the Supreme Court ain't been my, ain't been mm, right. lately, but I am positive. I'm going to speak positivity. So you are. So do you, you feel any fear, like just coming through Charleston, seeing that Charleston County has been very aggressive toward immigrant communities? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but I think that fear is kind of just overpowered by my passion, mm. by my passion to share these stories about about people who are really and truly suffering. Mm. You know, if 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 ICE were to be retaliatory and and deport me or whatever, take away my DACA. Mm. Um, I'm not going down right. 
you know, very right. easily. I right. make my voice heard, and I'm making right. people around me aware of these issues That's what you have to that do. are happening. You have to. Let me just do some station identification. For those just tuning in to uh, OM Radio, um, this is Mic'd Up on OM. I'm your host, Mika Gatz, and I'm here with my guest, my new friend, Fernando Soto, a Latinx uh, journalist here in Charleston. And we're just talking about initially the, tr- the show is going to be, a, and it will be, the second half of the show will be a recap on all things Democratic Convention, all things, uh, the, the debates that just took place on both Wednesday and Thursday night. Thursday night, my friend Fernando did come and, and help. I hope it was fun. You know, it's kind of last minute, but I hope it, I hope you enjoyed yourself yeah, last night. That's okay, good. yeah, it was a little cold in that room, but um, <laughs> but it was shout out to Inspired by Annette and Sabrina. Yes. Um, I loved and Chucktown Seafood. I really just enjoyed myself. I like watching the debates with people, but yeah. So the original show was gonna be just like a recap, but I'm so happy I have a guest here because Kevin knows. I hate talking to myself. <laughs> um, and so, but but we could not do a show this week without addressing the immigrant crisis or the border crisis. I don't call it immigrant crisis. Mm-hmm. The border crisis um, and our administration's response to the crisis. Like you said, that this country has, you know, destabilized regions. We're talking about before Trump, too, but before Obama as well. And we can go back and forth. Right. Um, but this has been going on for a long time. This is a... This is not a partisan issue at all. And so we're speaking about the crisis that we're seeing all these graphic images and, and, and this just we're hearing about the, the, the detention camps and mm-hmm. um, kids and families being deprived of basic needs like soap, water, toothpaste, toothbrushes and the, the inhumanity of it all. So I had I could not do a week and talk about Democratic whatever, Michigas. I couldn't discuss that without um, talking about the crisis and bringing someone in here. Um, so yeah, you're listening to Mike Up on OM 96.3 FM on radio, your nonprofit community radio station, and we're broadcasting live from workshop here at 1503 King Street. Oh, okay, so <laughs> I'm <laughs> horrible. I'm horrible. I'm gonna get like a machine and just like play it, like All right, like like the old like um the rock jock like just <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So what's so you're gonna use your voice? You just disclosed to me. I didn't know you were undocumented. You also disclosed publicly, and you and you and people who know you closely that you are a member of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. So that being said, this this is all your identity. Plus, you're a dope journalist. Plus, you're a dope dresser. You're all that <laughs> stuff. Got great taste in music. Uh, <laughs> all of that to say, you're using your voice to really bring bring light to an issue. So what what are you working on now? Uh, well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for all those compliments. Yeah, I'm uh, sincere, too. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, so now I, I got involved this week, mm-hmm. uh, four days ago, mm-hmm. into this uh, Lights for Liberty vigil. Okay. And this is a vigil that is happening nationwide on July 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cities, it's happening between uh, 7 and 9. Uh, here in Charleston, it'll probably be between 8 and 9. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are going to have some speakers and, uh, you know, a candlelit vigil at 9 o'clock. But most importantly, we're coming together to call for an end for these detention camps. Um, They are very inhumane conditions in which these children are being treated. These Mm -hmm. are our children. Um, Mm -hmm. They are overcrowded. Uh, They are falling ill. They are not receiving the necessary medical attention Mm -hmm. that they need. They are being forced to sleep 24-7 with the lights on. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's like torture. It is torture. It's ridiculous. And it's it's really sad to hear that attorney for for the Trump administration mm. say that they don't deserve a toothbrush, mm. uh, hygiene hygiene products. Yeah. You know that that is an extremely inhumane way to strip them away of their own rights. You know, and I, and I, um, the one thing I love Twitter because there's not just a bunch of noise on Twitter. There are like some dope journalists and people out there. And, and when I saw someone, I cannot remember the account, so forgive me. But I saw someone say, you know. 
like you know, Anne Frank and her sister didn't die from they weren't gassed in the gas chamber, the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. They died from typhus. They died from diseases that came because they were concentrated and, right. and kept in inhumane conditions. You know, I think people don't understand. They want to try to divorce what concentration camps. Like, no, this is the same. This is a, this is tantamount to what we saw right. in Germany. Like, right. this is they don't think this is different. People said that you know the, these kids are aren't being gassed. Okay, well, there's a difference between a concentration camp <laughs> and a death camp. Then a death camp, right? But right. Children are still dying. And it's the same thing with these plantations too. I think the language language is important. They keep calling these plantations or gardens. No, these are labor camps. These are right. forced labor camps. So it's important to distinguish all these forms of bondage that. You know uh, that you know colonial forces have have just right. you know whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. And 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 I think you bring up a really good point because mm-hmm. people oftentimes mm-hmm. and 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 even this week people have told me that I should change my wording from this to this to this a little bit, and <laughs> I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. that it is the people of color that are. Mm-hmm. you know, lacking education, but I think it's rather yeah. the white folks that have that lack of education to understand yes. that we, our level of intellect <laughs> can really go beyond what they will ever, ever encounter and understand because they don't ever have to experience right. all of these hardships that we have just for simply right. being brown. We have a different sensitivity bec- because of our lived experience. And yeah, what they don't understand their their refusal of uh, uh, you know accepting our narrative is not our problem, like it's like when someone mm-hmm. tells you oh you didn't it was it's not that bad it's it's not a gas it's not a gas chamber no 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 it's still vicious it's still violent it's still heinous right right so do you wait until it does become right. a gas exactly. chamber like, what <laughs> we'll, are you we'll, waiting we'll, for we'll, we'll, okay sis like what's what's next right yeah. <laughs> that to me that to me is really absurd and the other thing that I do wanna that I do wanna bring light to that yeah. you mentioned earlier yeah. is finding out that there's a detention center here. Yeah. Uh, back in February, I got to uh, volunteer to be a translator oh. for some of these asylum seekers. And it's really heart-wrenching oh, to wow. hear their stories, to hear why they're fleeing. Mm. Uh, I met an asylum seeker who, who was beaten up in El Salvador oh. for, being, for being LGBT, oh, part no. of the LGBT community. Mm. And so people are being persecuted. You know, People are being murdered yeah. for being who they are. And America is supposed to be that land of opportunity, you know, that melting pot mm. and people are trying to silence us people are trying to get us to conform people want to say and this kind of goes back to the whole language thing people want to say well they can come to america and they can learn english well i've come to america and i've learned english and you're still like, telling me that i should speak the way that you want me to right, speak because right. you don't understand right. the things that i'm going through yeah they want you to turn down the ethnicity like i hate that like when not today yeah not today never <laughs> that's why exactly that's why like me not code switching anymore that not that much me, if I want to, I don't speak Gullah Geechee fluently, but if I did want to, right. it's just as, it's just a legitimate, it's just as legitimate as any other form of language, and that's the thing. I think um, I think your presence here in the city is a disruption, and that's the kind of disruption we need. And I'm I'm so happy that you're here to talk to me about about these issues, and I want you to come back now. But no, you know, uh, no, I want you to get your own show. So we got to figure that. I know you got an eight Please. to five. Yeah, we have to figure that out. Cause I'm I cutting think, back on that, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. Like I mm. know, right? It, I'm but, cutting back on that eight to five for that reason. This is yeah. this is my. I'm passionate about the things that I that I want to do for yeah. my community, mm. uh, because nobody nobody's talking about it. You know, yeah. we have two uh, local TV stations here that are run by the same company. Yeah, it's the company Sinclair. that I work for. Oh yeah, yep. mm-hmm. and <laughs> you're not getting that diversification. You know, mm. and when you're in this mm. newsroom. 
there might be one person of color in that mm-hmm. newsroom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really hard to speak up mm-hmm. to say, hey, the way that we're running this story yeah, a is a problem. Mm-hmm. The way that we are wording these things right. is not doing any good to our audience. Right. But that's literally like how I got this show here. Like I called out the station like, yeah, hey, y'all don't have anything that reflects uh, what Charleston looks like. I said, where are the black women voices? I said, yeah, it's, it's dope to see, you know, the homie. Um, the one homie up here, but I never saw any other brown faces. Mm-hmm. So I do think that like you continue to speak up and assert yourself is is a way people have to start cre- uh, accepting. And I just don't understand. Like Charleston feels like it's so back behind, and not to just dis- like I love Charleston. I love the people. Mm-hmm. Everyone's mm-hmm. nice. I yes. love the weather. I love the water. All of it. And I love the food, apparently, because I was not this size when I got here. <laughs> so I love it. But it's just like culturally, I would just love to see us like, like, hey, let's be a little bit more progressive and inclusive. And inclusive doesn't just look like ethnicity either. I like to see different different abilities um, have Absolutely. certain jobs and in, in, in certain whole certain positions. But I don't want to I don't want to meander too much. I want to go back to the rally real quick before we wrap up the first half. Sure. So, OK, again, lights for. No, you say the name because I'm messing it up already. Lights for Liberty. Okay, yeah. Lights for Liberty. That's July 12th at 8 o'clock uh-huh. at the Riverfront Park in North Charleston. Okay. And we actually have some great organizations. Can I give a couple yeah, of shout-outs here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I just got off the phone before this show with the president of the NAACP here cool. in Charleston, okay. uh, who has been incredibly helpful, the Torres Law Firm, um, the Cano Law Firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benny Starr will be there as Yay. well. So. Yeah, he mentioned that. The homies mm-hmm. mentioned that. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and then we have Indivisible Charleston, Indivisible yeah. Somerville. Cool. There's so many people that have come together so quickly right. uh, to to be able to put this event on, mm. um, and and Mary and that Louise falls Ramsdale. on a, it falls on a on a Friday. It's on a Friday, mm. and I have to say, you know, it's a Friday. It's a Friday night, and I know you're probably like, oh, I have things to do. Mm-hmm. I have a movie to watch. Mm-hmm. I have a date to go to. Mm. But please, please come out. Yeah, these children are uncomfortable twenty four seven. These children are in pain. Right. They don't have a Friday night. They so. don't have a Friday night. I mm-hmm. think we can sacrifice two hours of our day. Mm-hmm to raise awareness about this, to yeah. do something, to put pressure. Right. Um, Joe Cunningham's wife will also be there okay, yeah. on his behalf. Right, yeah. She does often speak as a surrogate. That's, that's imp- and that's important that they're, they're showing support that way. Absolutely. And if there's anything I can do for my platform, please hold me to. I know you already asked me, but like seriously, if there's anything, I think between now and then, I definitely, besides helping behind the scenes, I'm definitely going to continue to amplify this on um, Facebook, Instagram, really Twitter, that. and here. Um, and where can they find more information about you and state resources? And state resources, you guys can go to uh, But <laughs> if that's too hard for you to spell out on your computer, <laughs> you guys can uh, go on your social media. My social media handles for everything is 94 Fernando Soto. Okay. And there you can find a link. Uh, I'm trying to get a list of like attorneys and doctors and people who service the Hispanic community okay. uh, to link that up. That'll be the resource side of my of my website um, to have those connections there for people that, that are find businesses that can cater okay. to them. Okay. You know, cool. A lot of times people are afraid. Okay. Say your handle one more time. 94 Fernando Soto. Okay. I, I don't know if I friended like an old handle the other day on Facebook, but I'll figure you it out. You tag my personal one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I want to be your friend though. <laughs> I, it's all good. It's all good. It's now, all connected. Okay. So I will be definitely talking about this. Please um, follow, yeah, follow Charleston Activist Network as well. Mika doesn't post. I'm talking about myself in third person. Mika doesn't post uh, post that much that lately, but definitely in the stories. And I will be sending out a newsletter with this information. So please also check, just keep keep tabs with 
Um, you can find out more. Let me say it like this. You can find out more information following Charleston Activist Network and also following Fernando. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm a, thank you. I really appreciate you coming to the show. Um, and and I, I'm not lying when I say please keep speaking up. We need you to speak up. I'm not going down easily. Okay, good. You're not going down at all. We got you. We got your back. So, um, yeah, we're going to say, we're going to do a little Rihanna transition. Um, Thanks yeah, so much, Mika. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Stay up off my Instagram for your temptation. Hit a switch on a fake like a station. Sex with me so amazing. Sex with me so amazing.
be lurking. You make a like me, I like it. You know I dealt with you the nicest. Nobody touched me in a righteous. Nobody texts me in a crisis. I believe that all of your dreams are duration. You took my heart, all my keys, and my patience. You took my heart, I must leave a decoration. You mistaken my love, I brought for you for foundation. All that I wanted from you was to give me something that I never never seen something that you never been mm-hmm. but i wake up and nothing's wrong just get ready for work 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 you see me i be work 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 you see me do me da 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 that's all me about that work 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 Done, 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 done at work, come over We just need to slow the motion Don't get out of way to no one Long distance, I need you When I see potential, I just gotta see it through If you had a twin, I would still choose you I don't wanna rush into it if it's too soon But I know you need to get done, 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 done. Let me stop playing around Welcome back to Mic'd Up on Um. I just love music, y'all music you're listening to mic'd up on om i'm your host mika gadsden we're coming back from a little rihanna and drake break uh yeah the first 30 minutes of the show featured my new friend fernando soto latinx a journalist based here in charleston it was so dope learning more about him like i learned in real time with you all listening um his story learning that he is in fact undocumented which i did not know Learning that, you know, he immigrated to this area in 2002, which I did not know. Uh, and so just, just sharing his story, his lived experiences, and how he's leveraging his voice and that experience, leveraging leveraging that uh, in a way that's so positive with the upcoming Lights for Liberty rally on July 12th. So just stay tuned. I will be working with him behind the scenes on that, just using whatever I can to assist. That is his his project, but I definitely want to help as much as I can so, yeah, uh, Lights for Liberty is a nationwide uh, visual, uh, nationwide action uh, plan to highlight what's going on with these camps, these detention centers. And don't think that this area is immune. Like I said, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I did a show about the detention center, uh, them using the county of Charleston, using our jails as detention centers for asylum seekers, you know, getting paid by uh, ICE to house upwards of 500 men and maybe women I wasn't quite sure but specifically men um, at a rapid clip you know and uh, so don't think that this issue is not in our backyard it's right here and that's just what we know of that's just what the Post and Courier was able to uncover Um, Lord knows what other types of uh, uh, immigrant detention centers 
um, have been erected because these things are very profitable. These are, in fact, for-profit prisons, much like those used for adult uh, communities, um, for adult, excuse me, for adult populations, for, you know, maybe people born here, you know. So it's very profitable to keep people in jail. This country just found that out. Some Well, found that out a while ago and has gone nuts with uh, detaining people for profit. So just shout out to Fernando. Okay, I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, the, the show this week was supposed to be uh, about uh, a recap of the Democratic Convention. So a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Fridays ago, we had Black Voters Matter in the building. Shout out Cliff, shout out Latasha, shout out Jazz. Uh, we had them in the building talking about uh, what was then the upcoming Black Economics Alliance uh, conference or forum, presidential forum that took place at the Music Hall. And then last Friday, um, after I finished my show here, I got on the road and headed up to Columbia to attend um, the South Carolina Democratic Weekend. And so basically, last year I was a, I was a campaign manager. So in a- April of uh, 2018, I was a campaign manager. So I had spent the, that was my first time going to the Democratic Convention Weekend. And it was a unique experience. Um, I was grateful for uh, the candidate that I worked for, for providing that experience, um, uh, exposing me to a lot of things that go on. So I was able to see it. Um, I was able to see the weekend in a very, I guess, um, un- it, it was a very interesting way to, to view the convention as a person who was working with a candidate. Um, and it was before a major race. It was before the uh, gubernatorial race. So you had those vying for governor of South Carolina, at least from the Democratic Party. You had them present. Um, and I got to learn more about how things are done, how the, plat- the party platform is built out, um, what tactics people employ to get people's attention, the pandering, the cultural pandering. Child, y'all got to stop with these uh, historically black college marching bands. Y'all got to stop whipping them bands out every time y'all want to enter a room. It's got to be a better way. Um, but, yeah, a lot of that went on, and um, it went on again this year. But but this year was different because the the South Carolina Democratic Party played host to, what was it, about 21? Over 20 candidates Democratic candidates running for president, and that was huge, right? So this was a huge trend, uh, contrast to last year. So going last year was pretty run-of-the-mill. was exciting because it was a gubernatorial race going on, and there was a, a number of other congressional races going on. So you saw a lot of high-profile Dems in the building. But this year, my Lord, you had Elizabeth Warren's team on, on the ground. You had Cory Booker's team on the ground. You had Kamala Harris's team on the ground. You had almost virtually every major news outlet uh, in, descending, in, uh, descending on Columbia, South Carolina. You had Reuters. You had CBS. You had, you had everyone. You had NPR. Uh, you had so many people uh, and, and entities and, and interest groups um, make it to to Columbia to participate and to cover the weekend, and rightfully so. Um, so it was interesting. It was hot. Um, what I did is I did not go through, um, I did not go to the Blue Palmetto dinner like I did the previous year. I did not go to any of the fancy schmancy, you know, cocktail hours. What I did do is go straight to the Clyburn Fish Fry. And when I tell you, I could not even get 
anything but a whiff of fish. It was 4,000 tons of fish. I could not even get a slice of bread, nothing. It was packed. Some outlets reporting 7,000 people. Other outlets were reporting 4,000. I'm going to go conservative. I'm going to say between four or 5,000. It felt like 10,000. <laughs> it was a lot of people crammed at the Adventure uh, Children's Museum in Columbia. It was, it was packed, and it was just, it really was unbearable to the point where me and my friend, we, we just left, and we got a cool drink and something to eat somewhere downtown uh, Columbia, and then we called it a night. But, um, but, yeah, it was an experience, just seeing how much attention was being paid to Columbia and to all things South Carolina Democratic politics. And so I say all that to say that, um, you know, what I what I saw um, both at the, the convention weekend and then this week, um, we had two major debates air on uh, NBC. So Wednesday night, because there's so many candidates, they broke the debate up into two nights. So you had 10 and 10, essentially, right, give or take. So um, Wednesday night, I live tweeted from the Charleston Activist Network Twitter account. And that was fun because I got to actually listen very intently, take notes, and also see what the national discussion was around the, each candidate's performance. And night two, last night, Thursday night, I actually held a watch party. Shout out to Black Lot. Black Voters Matter um, for really supporting everything I do around electoral justice and electoral and electoral politics and just re, uh, voter outreach. Uh, they came in clutch with um, helping us with the party. So we had local seafood from Black-owned businesses. Shout out Chucktown Seafood. Uh, shout out Inspired by Annette for hosting us at your venue spot. Um, yeah, we streamed the uh, debate live and had 20 or so people come in attendance, and they really, really enjoyed themselves. Uh, it was really tough getting here last night. The accident didn't make it easy, but we were able to, to hold space for a number of community members, black community members, community members of color, and also our white uh, accomplices were in the building as well. So we were able to hold space and, and discuss um, you know, what we were seeing. And last night, as with Wednesday, there were some personalities that emerged. Last night specifically, Kamala Harris really really showed herself to be quite the contender. She's not playing around. The previous night, Julian Castro, he really stepped forward as, as someone that uh, someone to watch. And so it was refreshing to see um, these people these candidates kind of bring their A game. And it was also great to see um, to hear, especially on Wednesday night, hear candidates affirm and to speak directly to black women, trans women. Um, Julian Castro mentioned reproductive justice. You never hear that from a candidate. And so it was refreshing to hear um, how progressive these candidates have, have become. And we'll see whether or not they stick to their guns as they advance in the race. And even if they ultimately win, we'll, we'll hold them accountable as we usually do. This is not a pep rally for me. This is real. This is These are people's lives at stake. So um, elections to me are serious. It's not about rooting for my favorite brand. It's about really who's going to who's gonna really bring about transformative change once they win the race or how far, however far they advance. And so it was refreshing to hear people speak to that because we know ultimately what, what, what is on the candidate's mind, what they have deemed a priority, will largely shape their platform. And that will build out what, how they govern. So it's important that they speak to the issues that matter to us most, especially the most marginalized among us. So it was refreshing to hear that. So I, I, I encourage folks to stay engaged. I know politics isn't fun for everyone. It's fun for me. I'm a poli-sci you know, graduate, and you know, I'm, an, I'm somewhat of a nerd with it. Um, 
but it's, and it's but but I found out we had a party last night with just regular regular folk and so everyone was captivated because they wanted to learn more and a lot of what we heard last night was people were a little bit insecure about asking questions but in a watch party uh format you kind of feel at ease you're with family no one's going to judge you ask questions and we work it out together and and we we kind of learn how we learn more about the candidates together so i encourage you all to kind of make it an event even if it's just a family of four or your friends a couple of friends watch the debates with someone um i believe there's going to be another debate coming up in detroit next month or july which is right around the corner i believe there are no debates in august but then two in september um something like that don't don't hold me to that but there should be something like that going on from this point forward so i encourage people to stay active and stay involved one thing that's really on my mind always is that you know we need to make sure these candidates are speaking to every american um, it was re- it was great to see um, after Julian Castro had a great appearance at his Wednesday, at the Wednesday uh, debate. He then went uh, went on social media following his performance and followed up with a video. Of course, it was a fundraising video, but he included captions. And it was great to see friends that I know who um, represent the differently able community or those who are just compassionate accomplices really speak to how that just uh, remove the barrier for so many people. So let's make sure that we push these candidates to speak to everyone, to use tools that are not ableist, um, you know, use tools that get to as many, that, can, that are able to reach as many people as possible. Let's also make sure that they're speaking to trans folk, to member of the LGBT community and not pandering, but speaking directly to them. Make sure that, and, and if you live in South Carolina, what's really important is that these candidates come to rural pockets where there is no Wi-Fi or broadband. So people might not be able to stream or watch or keep up with the debates on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or the like, right? It's important that they reach out, they get on the ground, they form a great ground game and reach out to folks and reach the people that aren't necessarily the biggest donors, but we know that black people here in South Carolina make up 60%. That's almost two-thirds of the Democratic electorate. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power, y'all. Don't just give your don't just give your power up. Don't forfeit your power um, immediately. Make them work and earn your vote. Make them come to you. Figure out a grassroots way to really make some noise and get these candidates to your home, to your street, to your cul-de-sac, to your farm, wherever you may be. It's important that they come and they earn your vote and earn your respect. And that's something I'm going to, um, whenever I engage with any presidential campaign, that's something that I always stress is what's the rural strategy? And not that you, and, and another thing too that I saw, I saw a lot of male, black male um, surrogates speaking up for some of these communities. I don't know if people understand. I think they do. But I'm just going to remind some folks, some hopefully some influential folks are listening to Mic'd Up today. Um, you know, the pathway through victory, it, the ba- pathway to victory is through black women in the state. We are always working to mobilize voters. We're always either working at the polls. We're, we're either on your campaign staff. We're doing our souls to the polls or whatever it is. We, black women vote. We vote like it's almost illegal not to vote. We vote, we outvote any other category in the country, and that's facts. That's not hyperbole. So knowing that, I'd like to see more candidates, I'd like to see more campaigns really rely on the regular, around-the-way girl, the regular Gullah Geechee woman, 
just that regular black woman. And you know what? Have a surrogate that sounds like me. Have a surrogate that sounds like my mom. Don't just put up these guys in these really nice suits and pocket squares. You know, talk to and employ and use and utilize and refer to and defer to black women, all kinds of black women, and not just the ones that have fancy jobs and and went through an impressive fellowship. Shout out to them because they need to hold space as well and they need to be able to have opportunities. But there's a whole crop of women. You know, Lorraine Hansberry, when she wrote A Raising the Sun, when she spoke about that work, and if you, you know, she talked about the profundity of the everyday man. That's who she chose to highlight the everyday working class family um, in Chicago, from Chicago. She didn't talk about, you know, if you ever hear Lorraine Hansberry speak, she speaks like she's like a queen from another universe. She's just so regal in how she speaks and how she writes. And you would think that someone like that that emitted so much poise, you would think that she would write about, you know, highfalutin folk, high tone folk. No, she talked about the everyday man. And that's why I love her work. She always, always found the profundity in the everyday person. So I'm going to encourage candidates to also find that profundity. You know, find those gems of brilliance within the communities of color throughout this state. But I'm speaking specifically to the African-American constituency because, like I said, we make up two-thirds of the Democratic electorate, 60%. That's amazing. So don't just come to our churches and barbershops. Don't just come around and and, and eat barbecue. Nah, come and and, and let's do some oyster. Well, can you do oyster roast now? I don't know. I'm a Yankee. But, yeah, you could do a low country boil. You could come out. You could come and you can engage black women. Yeah, maybe at the salon, but maybe as they pick up their kids. Maybe at the daycare center. Maybe you're going to that tech, that trade school where black women are earning, you know, education, you know, edu- or earning degrees and certificates. Maybe you can meet us on, on, you know, on certain campuses and whatnot. Try to find us where we are and not just in the usual places. And stop having all these men be your surrogates. Come on now. You know, I'm always available, too. <laughs> all right, so this is mic'd up on OM, so I, I hope you all enjoyed this show. I had a great time, especially shout-out to my friend Fernando once more. Um, y'all, you know, until next time, make sure that you are paying attention to this crisis at the border. Make sure you hold our elected officials accountable for inaction. Um, make sure that you are you are doing something um, with this crisis right now. This is no joke. This is not a drill. This is this is how injustice has happened. If you always said that you, oh, if I was a, around in, in the civil rights era, I would have been on the side of MLK. Well, this is your time. This is civil rights. This is human rights. This is a human rights crisis, a human rights issue. So it's time for us to just jump into action, use whatever resources we have, leverage those resources, reach out to Fernando, see if you can help raise money. Because I know that uh, I know from personal experiences rallies and all that ain't cheap and they ain't free so he's gonna need support so anything you can do to help support the lights for liberty rally coming up june 12th please do so you can always find out more about me uh podcasts whatever you can find more about me at charleston activist network on instagram and on facebook and c-h-s-a-c-t-n-e-t on twitter but until next time y'all i want y'all to stay free And to all my black brothers and sisters out there, stay black.